Bangor Worldwide has been promoting and supporting World Mission for over 85 years. Our podcasts are free of charge. You can find out more about us at www.worldwidemission.org. We hope you enjoy this talk. Good evening, everyone. It's so good to be back with you. Uh, this is our second time to visit uh, the Bangor Worldwide Missionary Conference, and uh, I'm always touched when I come to speak. They ask me, do you have a PowerPoint? And I just think that's wonderful because, you see, in the part of the world we work in, PowerPoint is not a big item. So uh, I never have one. Uh, I wouldn't know how to do one, but uh, I'm just touched that you ask. So by that standard, I guess our ministry is a little different. We're a PowerPointless ministry. And um, our ministry is called Voice of the Martyrs Korea. And um, I think probably everything may be a little bit different about our ministry than, uh, than, than, than perhaps you're used to. When we uh, invite people to come onto our staff at Voice of the Martyrs Korea in Seoul and our headquarters office in South Korea, we ask them, are you ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice? And uh, that's the nature of the work that we do. And it comes about because our founder of Voice of the Martyrs Worldwide, Pastor Richard Wormbrandt, was a pastor in Romania under the communists. And uh, for his faithful commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, Pastor Wormbrandt was in prison from 1948 through 1964. A total of 13 years in prison, including three years in solitary confinement. And so Pastor Wormbrandt, uh, when he was ransomed from Romania, he uh, came to the West and he spoke around the world. And as he spoke around the world, he talked about how persecuted Christianity is really the normal part of the faith. In other words, the kind of experience that we have uh, outside of suffering for the Lord Jesus is really a bit of an exception uh, in terms of what the Christian life has been like for Christians throughout history. Uh, Christians throughout history have always understood that to serve the Lord Jesus means to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. Uh, we first came, my wife is here, I should mention that she's right here, Dr. Hansik Foley, our co-founder of Voice of the Martyrs Korea. And so when we first founded our ministry 20 years ago, each Voice of the Martyrs around the world is independent, and so we have... Uh, 13 different Voice of the Martyrs organizations around the world. Release International is our sister mission here, and uh, we're so grateful to be able to, to serve uh, with them. And uh, they brought us here to uh, Bangor, I think it was about six years ago uh, was when we came. And so uh, when I think about what's transpired since then, when I keep track of time, I keep track of it in the, the memory of those brothers and sisters who have worked for Voice of the Martyrs Korea, been our team members who have laid down their lives as martyrs. So in the last 20 years of our work, uh, in the time that we've um, been operating as an organization, we've had 36 men and women who have laid down their lives for the Lord Jesus in the work that we do uh, in North Korea and in China. And uh, we're not a mission organization uh, in the sense that you might think about missionaries going and trying to reach out to bring the gospel to North Korea. In fact, uh, what we are is a partner organization, and our job is to partner with the Christians that the Lord has already placed. Do you know no nation is closed to the gospel? Uh, the Lord says in his word that all of the rulers of all of the countries of the world are like water in his hands. 
And so when people say to me, oh, I pray for North Korea to open to the gospel, my response is, praise God, the Lord has already answered your prayer. For 70 years, the gospel has been in North Korea, and Christian men and women have continued to advance that message in the teeth of the worst persecution, arguably, in human history. So what is new since I was with you? Well, in 2014, November, uh, our worker, Deacon Zhang, uh, was kidnapped from China. He was a Korean uh, by ethnicity, uh, Chinese by citizenship. He's been held in prison in North Korea since that point in time. Uh, his mother passed away while he was in prison. His daughter waited as long as she could, uh, but ultimately had to choose to, to marry, uh, uncertain of when her father will be released. Uh, our 35th martyr, Pastor Han chung Yo, died on April 30th, 2016, after faithfully working with us at our base in Changbai in northeast China. It's right on the border with northeast China and North Korea, and uh, every year, North Koreans would come across that border, and uh, the reason they would come is because of the fact that there are certain kinds of vegetation that you can find, herbs and and, 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 and medicinal kinds of uh, vegetation that they would pick up uh, on the North Korea side. They would come across the, the border into China, and there they would meet Pastor Han. And uh, Pastor Han was the least political person I ever met. Uh, he was Chinese by citizenship, Korean by ethnicity, but he belonged wholly to the kingdom of God. And he served there since 2001 in that base. Every North Korean who came across the border received a warm welcome from him. He took care of them. He sold what they, what they came to sell. He sold it for them in the marketplace to make sure that they got fair value for everything that they brought. And along the way, as they found he was a trustworthy man, they would listen to him about the words of life and learn of the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't involved in political advocacy. He wasn't involved in humanitarian aid. It turns out that the most controversial work that's being done on the planet today is neither political advocacy, it's not the advancement of human rights and religious freedoms, it's simply the preaching of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. This is what Pastor Han did. He was faithful in his work. Every morning he prayed from the time he got up until about 9 o'clock in the morning, when you saw him, he didn't have kind eyes, he had discerning eyes, and in our work that's necessary because more than 90% of the North Koreans who crossed the border to come into China uh, ostensibly uh, to be able to encounter missionaries are actually spies trained by the North Korean government for the sake of gathering information and ultimately martyring missionaries. And that's what happened to Pastor Han. He came to our office um, a uh, few months before he died, 2016, we were there together in the office. And at that point in time, we knew that when he returned, uh, we had very good information that he would likely be kidnapped. And so he sat there quietly alongside me doing his work. And my wife and I talked to Pastor Han throughout that day. And um, uh, we made small conversation, talked, updated things were happening at the base and so forth. And finally, we breached the subject and asked him, do you, really, do you really think that going back is what you should do? And uh, uh, to him, there was no question uh, because the good shepherd always lays down his life for his sheep and those who follow the good shepherd follow in his footsteps. There was no question Pastor Han was martyred on April 30th, 2016, but his decision to lay down his life for the Lord Jesus preceded that by many years. 
So on April 30th, 2016, we received the phone call from China. North Korean state security agents had crossed the border. Uh, they had enticed Pastor Han to come to the border uh, with the cooperation of someone who Pastor Han had been discipling for some time. Uh, when he met them at the border, the state security agents uh, 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 fell upon him even before he was able to get out of his car. Um, North Korean state security agents work with small knives. Uh, they're about this size. And typically, uh, it's once up to the heart, once across the artery like this, and the death is very quick. But in the case of Pastor Han, as a punishment for the fact that since 2001, he had discipled more than 1,000 North Korean people. Not only did they do what they typically do of uh, cutting him up to the heart and then across the artery, but they stabbed him through the crown of the skull seven times and uh, left him in the car to bleed. Interestingly, the Chinese authorities refused to allow his family or members of the church uh, to see his body. They covered up his body because of the fact that North Korea and China have a very unhealthy cooperative relationship when it comes to opposing the work of the gospel uh, across China, but certainly in Northeast China where so many North Koreans visit. But the interesting thing was at his funeral, where they had no choice but to leave his face uncovered, the one thing that they could not hide was the look of absolute peace that was on his face. Now think about that, because he had been stabbed to the crown of the head seven times. He had been cut up through his heart, across his artery. He had been attacked by three men, and yet he had the face of an angel. Most recently, in February of 2018, uh, we... Uh, we're honored by the Lord with our 36th martyr, an attorney, uh, Chinese by nationality and uh, by ethnicity. Uh, his name, Ibai Guang. And uh, he was an attorney. He was a great advocate for Christians. Um, there, there is a need always in China uh, on behalf of Chinese Christians and North Korean Christians not to go to court to fight for the rights but simply to have legal representation as more and more Chinese uh, leaders are brought into the court and uh, charged with sedition against the state. And so uh, Bai Guang in this case was working with us, uh, interestingly to support the family of Pastor Han to be able to gather information uh, to seek that the case would be closed because we all knew at that point who had killed Pastor Han and the Chinese government was simply keeping the case open. They continue to keep it open to this day simply so they do not have to take action to bring those who martyred Pastor Han to justice. And so Ibai Guang, who was in perfect health, in fact, he had visited the United States a few weeks before. Our home is South Korea, not the United States, but he visited South Korea, he visited the United States, he had met with our friends there, and uh, when he was in the United States, he's a fairly young man, he was in perfect health. Uh, shortly after he went back, within a matter of weeks, it was reported that uh, he went to a hospital and uh, was discovered to have the advanced stages of liver cancer according to the Chinese government that operated the hospital. Uh, he never left the hospital after arriving that day. He was cremated, and thus his body was never seen. 36 martyrs, 36 men and women who have laid down their life for the Lord Jesus. 36 men and women who continue to occupy my thinking. I keep track of time. I think uh, on the night's that the Lord wakes me up and I 
I find myself thinking about them, and of course, we continue to care for their families. Uh, we continue to uh, keep their ministries going. And overnight, I think about these 36 men and women, and in many, in many ways, it is more difficult to be the one who is left behind than the one who is taken. I think this would be the experience of the Apostle John, uh, the last of Jesus' disciples, uh, to lay down his life. I think about these 36 men and women. I ask the question, what do they have in common? Why is it that the Lord Jesus would choose them and leave Dr. Foley and me to continue to supervise the ministry? And so as I've thought about those 36 men and women who have laid down their lives for the Lord Jesus in North Korea and in China serving North Korean Christians, I've come to some conclusions that may surprise you that I think are very relevant for the theme of this conference in regard to missionary service. You may think that men and women who are martyred for the Lord Jesus are set apart because of a particular boldness that they have. That is, that the Lord chooses the people who just somehow have that deeper gear that allows them in the face of being stabbed through the skull or being apprehended in a hospital and tortured, that, that the Lord needs for that role people who have a particular fortitude. And we think to ourselves, I could never be like that person. We think of martyrs as different, not in degree from us, but in kind. And we think that we could never be that role. We think that martyrs are those who have this absolute willpower that they will always stand up for their faith. And in fact, as we've traveled now to more than 40 countries as missionaries from the North Korean underground church, representing these 36 men and women and those in North Korea continue to serve the Lord Jesus today. The church in North Korea has about 100,000 men and women. 30,000 of them have now been interred in concentration camps because to be a Christian is the worst of all possible crimes in North Korea. It is considered a crime against the state. Thus, a person who is suspected even of contact with Christian missionaries would be regarded in the North Korean legal system as worse than a murderer, worse than a child rapist, worse than a thief, worse than a kidnapper. 30,000 North Korean Christians are in concentration camps, and you would ask yourself, what sets them apart? What would the Lord Jesus be looking for in a person to serve in that role. Certainly it couldn't be us. I mean, after all, we don't have that extra gear, that fortitude, that boldness to stand up for our faith. And so as I travel to the 40 countries around the world where I've spoken about these North Korean Christians, that's what people say. A martyr is a person who stands up for their faith at any cost. And my response is, as I reflect on the 36 men and women from Voice of the Martyrs Korea who have laid down their life for the Lord Jesus, that is not what distinguishes a martyr? Martyr is, in fact, the Greek word for witness. When the New Testament defines our relationship to Jesus, it uses that word more than any other words. So we tend to use words like believer, follower, disciple, and certainly those are all words that are used in the New Testament to describe people who believe in the Lord Jesus. The most common word in the New Testament that's used to describe those who believe in the Lord Jesus, martyr. It's not only me who tells time through martyrs. The Lord Jesus does too. We read that in Revelation chapter 6. 
Those who have laid down their life for the Lord Jesus cry out to the Lord Jesus, how long? And Jesus responds, it's a little while longer. Because you see, the Lord Jesus doesn't bring the world to an end simply through wars, rumors of wars, famines, and earthquakes. That, says the Lord Jesus, is relatively common. But the Lord Jesus has appointed a set number of witnesses. And when the final witness is made, the Lord Jesus says, then the end will come. The Lord Jesus tells time by his martyrs. So if a martyr is a witness, and a martyr is the most common way that you and I refer to in the Bible, if I were to ask you the question, how many martyrs are here tonight, raise your hand, I should see every single hand in this room raised. Oh no, you say, I don't have the fortitude, the boldness. No, 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 no. You should not work from your cultural conception of a martyr. Oh, I don't have the, 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 that, that, to, that commitment to stand up for the Lord Jesus at any cost. I don't know if it could be me. No, you see, according to the Bible, a martyr is simply a witness. It's what Jesus calls us in Acts chapter 1 when he says, and you will be my martyrs in all nations. And, he says in Revelation 6, and you are my clock. You are how I keep track of time. For you see, he says to us in the scriptures, I have appointed a set number of witnesses. And when the final witness is made, then the end will come. So these 36 martyrs who have laid down their lives, about whom I have the opportunity to speak in 40 countries around the world, as I look at congregations like this one, and I ask how many martyrs are here tonight? I want to tell you what all 36 have in common. What they have in common is not an uncommon boldness. It's not an extra gear that allows them to dig in when their faith is challenged. It's not that at all. In fact, what distinguishes these 36 men and women? What prepares them to serve as martyrs, which is the most common way Jesus Christ refers to his followers? It is the normative Christian life. What these 36 men and women have in common is a particular way of looking at time. I can best explain it to you by telling you the story of the first North Korean underground Christian my wife and I ever met. We were called into North Korean ministry. We didn't come by choice and we didn't come by interest. The Lord Jesus often will call us to do things in which we have no interest. So, if it is that tonight you say, well, the Lord hasn't put any country on my heart and the Lord hasn't called me to be a missionary, my response is, are you ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice? The Lord Jesus has already called you and named you. He calls you martyr. He has appointed a set number of us, and when the last of us have made our witness, then the end will come. So the Lord called us into North Korean ministry, and because we didn't know anything about North Koreans or the situation of North Korean Christians, as we did our study, we found out that the situation seemed pretty bleak. Even today, as I travel and speak in these different countries around the world, I'm always introduced like this. This is Eric Foley. 
He works in the country which is the worst place in the world to be a Christian, North Korea. It's a cultural way of looking at it rather than a biblical way. But it's understandable because it's the attitude that I had when the Lord called me too. As my wife and I studied about North Korea and we, we realized that North Korea really is as bad as people say in the sense that you can't bow your head because that even is a capital offense. You can't possess a Bible. It's a country where 100% of North Koreans gather together every week in buildings that look exactly like this one because all the churches that remain standing in Pyongyang after the end of the Korean War were repurposed into what today are called Kim Il-sung Research Centers. And every week, 100% of North Koreans gather together as they're required to do. And someone stands up here just like this and they open the hymnal of songs of praise to Kim Il-sung. You'd recognize them because Kim Il-sung grew up in a church. She played the organ in a church, interestingly. And so he borrowed many of those same Christian songs to make his hymnal. And after someone leads the singing, then someone stands up and reads from the writings of Kim Il-sung. You'd recognize those too. Kim Il-sung saw a lot to be admired in Christianity. He just didn't like the God. He took that God out and replaced him with himself. And so if I were to tell you about the writings from Kim Il-sung, they would sound familiar. For example, the ten principles. The first of which is, thou shall have no greater loyalty than the loyalty you have to Kim Il-sung. And then after the writings are read, someone stands up and they preach a sermon. That's why when we meet North Koreans and we share the gospel with them for the first time, they don't say, wow, thank you for clearing that up. They say, why are you copying us? That's why North Korea kills Christians. Why it is that Christianity is a worse crime than murder in North Korea. Because you see, only Christians can expose the religion of North Korea, which is called Juche, or Kim Il-sungism. It's known by religious researchers as the ninth largest religion on planet Earth, the worship of Kim Il-sung. Only Christians can expose Juche, Kim Il-sungism, as a fraud. And so North Korea kills them all. And so when we met our first underground North Korean Christian, this is what we knew. We knew that North Koreans didn't have Bibles. We knew they weren't able to close their eyes and pray. We knew they couldn't gather together on a regular basis because if they did, they'd be reported by the government. We knew they didn't have church buildings. We knew everything they lacked. And so in this meeting that was arranged for us, we met in Northeast China, and we met this underground North Korean Christian brother, and I said to him, like an earnest American pastor, I said, how can we pray for you? And he looked back at me, and he said, you pray for us? We pray for you. And um, I thought there must be some misunderstanding, you know, in the translation, because we're from America, the land of the free and the home of the very rich Christians. What do you need? I wanted to say to the brother, Bibles, because I know you don't have any, and I can get some for you. Medicine, I've heard tuberculosis is a huge problem. I know you need some. Money, certainly you need, because we know that Christians in North Korea struggle even to make a living. I can get that. Escape, we can arrange for that as well. This is the thought process that was going in my mind. And the North Korean brother looked back at me with this look of pity on his face. And he said, yeah, that's what's, that's what's wrong with you American and South Korean Christians. 
You have so much. You have so much money and freedom, he said, that you end up putting your faith in your money and your freedom. We North Korean Christians, he said, have neither money nor freedom. We have only Christ. And we've discovered that Christ is sufficient. There are precious few moments you get in your life where the chair of your understanding gets kicked out from underneath you and you land splayed out on the floor with everything that you thought you understood turned upside down. That was one of those moments because I was certain that North Korean Christians needed what I could bring. And North Korean Christians, like Christians around the world, are always defined by their lack. They lack Bibles. They lack church buildings. They lack the freedoms that we have in our blessed country. This is how we think of them. Yes, he said, that's the problem with you American and South Korean Christians. You have so much. And because you have so much, you end up putting your, your, your faith and your money and your freedom. We North Korean Christians, we have only Christ. And so we lack for nothing. I've thought about him for 20 years. And on those nights that the Lord keeps me awake and I think about those men and women who have laid down their lives as martyrs for the Lord Jesus, I thought about how much all of those 36 people <laughs> reminded me of that brother. And I realized what a different understanding I have of time than he did and that they do. You see, there is two ways for us as Christians to look at time. The one way to look at time is to see it as a moment that comes to us as a completed work of the Lord Jesus. That every moment that comes to us is already complete. It is finished, the Lord said. I have overcome the world. All power and authority, he said, has been given to me. Every moment that comes to us, it is possible to understand, and the Bible would have us do so, as the completed work of the Lord Jesus. It is not an unfinished moment, but a completed one. It is a moment that comes to us as the fulfillment of his promises. Every moment that enters time arrives as the forgiveness of sins. Through the arrival of his grace, it comes like clockwork every second, every moment of every day. That's one way to look at time. And there's 36 men and women that I know who understood time that way. 
and one North Korean Christian brother who did as well. There is another way to look at time. It's more commonly the way we look at time in the West. We regard time as a blank canvas that comes to us empty, needing to be filled. The Lord Jesus stands in the background to watch in this understanding of time. We're on the stage called to perform and every moment arrives as an empty vessel to fill and it's unclear which way that moment will go. That's the difference between martyrs and Christians who are not yet ready to preach, pray, or die at a moment's notice. We have so much money and freedom that every moment that arrives, every moment that enters time, we believe must be filled by what we have. We believe if we have nothing to, to bring to that moment in time, it will be empty and the Lord's work will go undone. People will die and enter a Christless eternity. Uh, uh, the people will starve to death. Christians will suffer without Bibles. And so we greet every moment with anxiety and guilt. And we look and we say, Lord, here I am on the stage but in my best moments, I have a gnawing awareness that I lack the resources to fill the moment to accomplish the purpose. And so I fill it with whatever words I can come up with. And I dump into that moment whatever money I have in my pocket. And I try to use my freedom believing that everything depends on me in a moment like this. That if I am being called by the Lord to serve as a missionary and I miss it, people will suffer. Yes said my North Korean brother, that's the problem with you American and South Korean mission. People. You greet every moment that arrives as an empty one. You plead with the Lord to give you the resources to fill it. And precisely in that way, that's how we empty every moment of God's presence. We take his completed work, his forgiveness, and his grace, which comes to us moment by moment because the battle has already been won. But we receive every moment as an empty one. We see ourselves as the actor, the Lord Jesus as the judge, and a harsh one. And we ask, Lord, what do you want from me in this moment? And the critical decision is the one that we make. The North Korean Christian brother that I spoke with 20 years ago the 36 men and women who laid down their life for the Lord Jesus through Voice of the Martyrs Korea ministry, they see time differently. Every moment that arrives for them comes complete. Because North Koreans live in a world where they have no freedom. Because North Koreans live in a world where they have no money, they know there is nothing they can contribute to every moment that enters time. But what we have found, said the North Korean Christian brother, is, is that Christ is in every moment, and Christ is sufficient. You see, with all of the North Korean people and the Chinese Koreans who have been martyrs through Voice of the Martyrs Korea, 
It wasn't that they added into the moment their boldness, added into the moment their fortitude, added into the moment their deep commitment. They didn't add into the moment all of the things they saw that were lacking, the Bibles that were missing, the prayer that was missing. They received every moment as a gift from the Lord Jesus, complete with his grace, with everything that was necessary to meet what they faced. Knowing that nothing whatsoever depended upon them, they received the moment and the Lord Jesus completed work and presence in it and rested in that work. What do you mean, you say? We're supposed to stand around and do nothing? Absolutely not. Every moment that the Lord Jesus sends to us comes as his completed work, overflowing with grace that he invites us to share with others. Grace so overpowering, a work so complete that we can even turn to those who are persecuting us at that moment and offer grace to them with the face of an angel. And so the North Korean underground church that I know <laughs> lacks for nothing. Some parts of that church have Bibles, some don't. And the places that don't have Bibles, they've memorized the scripture. They pray in a very unique way they don't hide out and whisper their prayers in the forest. They'll pray right in front of a state security officer. They just happen to pray with their eyes open, praying like this. Brother, isn't it good to know that our dear leader cares so much for us that even my sister's illness must be on his heart? I prayed that the dear leader would remember my sister in her, in her deep pain and that he, who I know can accomplish all things, will bring her healing. The North Korean Christians continue to advance the gospel for more than 70 years. And they're not waiting on us for anything. If you were to ask me how can we pray for them, I will tell you what my brother answered at the end of our conversation. He didn't say, man, pray for more Bibles. Man, pray for, pray for people to just pray for us. We're, we're just... We're just struggling over here until the government changes. We're just hiding out, doing our best to survive. Always checking the door. Have a lookout. Make sure nobody's going to come in. It's a life of fear we're living, brother. Pray. Have people around the world pray that we can make it another day. I've never had that. The North Korean Christian has said that to me. What this brother told me 20 years ago was this. He said, pray that the Lord will find us each faithful where he places us. You see, because it is no more or less difficult to be a Christian in North Korea than in Northern Ireland. Because the challenge is the same, exactly the same. The challenge is whether you will receive this next moment as the completed work of the Lord Jesus, filled with every grace and good thing that is necessary for you to witness to him through the overflow of that grace even to those who would stand against you or 
You will greet every moment as a moment that you must fill. With your prayers, your words, your activity, your freedom, and your money. As if the world depended on it. Praise God it doesn't. In North Korea, in this vibrant church, I might ask you that question, where is the church growing faster, Northern Korea or Northern Ireland? The answer, North Korea. If I were to ask you, where do I meet the most joyful Christians in the world? Is it Northern Ireland or Northern Africa or North America? The answer is North Korea. And the reason why is, is that it turns out that the playing field for Christians is absolutely level. And the challenge is the same regardless of the country that you live in. The issue facing you this week is not whether God has called you to be a missionary. It's how you will receive the next moment that he lays out for you. He's giving it to you and always has, moment by moment, as a gift, filled with his completed work, to which nothing at all can be added. Sometimes you'll have Bibles, sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll be able to bow your head, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you'll be sick, sometimes you'll be healthy. Sometimes you'll be poor, sometimes you'll be rich. But all of these things are passing away. What is enduring forever is the completed work of the Lord Jesus. And he's presenting it to you tonight. Moment after moment after moment. And, and when you receive it, there's nothing left to fill. All there is is something left to share. And this is why the Lord Jesus uses that word more than any other word to describe who you are. Witness. Because a believer believes, a disciple is discipled, but a witness is someone who takes all of that extra grace that comes from the Lord Jesus in every moment and shares it with whoever they're with. It's what Deacon Chang is doing in prison in North Korea at this hour, I have no doubt. It's what Pastor Han did with the three state security agents who came to him. He went willingly back. It's what good shepherds do. That's what Ibai Guang did in the hospital. I've seen it 36 times, and I heard it a 37th 20 years ago. So as I close, let me ask you one simple question. I want you to think about it. Not on the basis of your feelings, because your feelings will come and go. Not on the basis of your experience, not on the basis of your own assessment of your spiritual fortitude and your willingness to believe in the face of all opposition. We are what we are by the promise of the Lord Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, he doesn't say, You should be my martyrs. He says, And you will be. It's not something that you do. It's something that he does. Correction has already done. And he's doing it moment by moment from now until the last witness is made. 
So, my very simple question is this. How many martyrs are here tonight? If you are, now, would you please stand? We trust you've enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to make a donation to support the work of Bangor Worldwide, please visit www.worldwidemission.org slash donate.